Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Immediately after people were saved in the streets, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You know what? Once we get born again, God wants us to come to church and hear the word of God taught by somebody called and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Are you a member of a church? After being saved, are you faithful to church? We're going to talk about that today. Maybe it'll be really convicting, but you know what? Conviction from God always leads to something good. Let's go to the word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome back to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian for five lessons. Today will be the last one. I have been teaching on the fundamentals of the faith. Now, the reason why I'm teaching on this is because I pastored for a number of years, and boy, you can get complaints on everything. I mentioned last time we taught on praise and worship, and people say, why do we even need praise and worship? Let's just go straight to the Word of God. Everything has its place. And the reason why we place praise and worship at the beginning of the service is because we enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Today, I want to talk about the preaching of the Word of God, because you know what? This is one area, I, I, I don't know, my wife and I have talked about it. It's kind of upsetting that there used to be a time when the Word was really taught, expounded, opened up, studied. But today it's got to be more stories with a little scripture thrown in there for maybe like a little seasoning or something on it. But very little of just opening up the word of God and even verse by verse, word by word teaching to explain a verse of scripture because the scripture is much like, you know, an onion. There's so many layers on it you can just keep peeling back. And the word of God is that powerful. The more you open it up, the more you find out there is to it. And man, every time you see something new in the word of God, it just enhances the fact this is supernatural. And the word of God will live and abide forever. And I'm gonna point out to you that really the highest thing in your life is the word of God. And the number one thing a church should strive for is the preaching of the word of God and have plenty of time to do so. That's why praise and worship is limited. That's why even the gifts of the spirit in the church service are told to be kept to two at the most three. So we'll have time for the preaching and teaching of the word of God. Isaiah 33, look with me at verses five and six. While you're finding that verse of scripture, let me again quickly point out to my, those who support this ministry, thank you. Man, I really appreciate you. I love you. I'm really looking forward to meeting you, many of you in heaven, because I listen, I get these names. I pray for you, but I, I see your, your name, but I don't know exactly what your face is or exactly what you are. I do know this, you love the word of God. You love the teaching of the word of God and you love the way I present it. So again, many, many can identify with me. Some people can identify with me, but those who do, it's a heart connection first before it's a giving connection. And you, you, look, at, you look at the broadcast, you listen to what I have to say, and you go, wow, he really ministers to me. Well, that's because I'm gifted to do so. And there's other ministers that are gifted and certain people really identify with them. Whoever you identify with, be a giver. Don't just sit back and, you know, and, and suck the marrow out of this thing and then not give toward it. Because really, if you enjoy it this much by giving, it helps me take it to somebody else. Do you love other people as much as you love yourself? Or are you just self-centered and only want this for yourself? No, it should be a fact. If you love other people, you want the same thing to happen to them. You give for their salvation. In this broadcast, you're actually giving too toward those who are saved, but need to become disciples in the Lord. I'm here mainly to help raise up disciples and teaching them the word of God. And so if you'd like to become a partner with me and join these many other partners that are supporting my ministry and you listen and you go, man, I just really need to be, or God's even spoken to you before, but you still haven't acted on it. Act on it today. Go to the website, bobyandian.com. And when you find it, go to the website, you'll find a place on there where you can become a partner with me in giving toward 
the gospel and giving toward the teaching of the word of God. I thank you in advance. Isaiah 33 verses five and six, especially verse six. This is what, when I when I sign a book, I usually put Bobby Ann and then Isaiah 33, six. And these two verses here are very important. And it tells about the position of God and the position of the word. Verse five says this, the Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with righteousness and with justice, verse six, and wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Three things are brought into this verse of scripture. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. If there's anything the world needs today is not just Christians, they need stable Christians. Those who know how to stand up against the uh, the enemy's uh, onslaughts, the attacks of Satan, the attacks of government, the attacks of people in the world, thinking they know more than us, trying to limit the word of God, limit the power of the church, limit the power of the Holy Spirit, and they can't do it. What you need today is people that will stand up and form a wall against these, and these are those who know the word of God. Our attack against Satan doesn't come from our own wisdom, but wisdom from the word of God. Our own knowledge, but by knowledge of the word of God. Whenever Satan tempted Jesus, did Jesus didn't say, well, I think. No, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. This is wisdom and knowledge. Notice it says here, first of all, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. If you are a Christian that seems like your life is up and down, in and out, wide swing, and you need stability, and it comes back to the word of God. The word of God brings stability to your times. Next of all, it is your strength of salvation. I talk to Christians all the time in churches and many of them who've been saved for 15, 20 years, even doubt whether or not they're saved or not. How do you know you're saved? It is written. It is written. It is written. These things write we unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. It's the word. It's not how you feel today. It's not your emotional state right now. It's what does the word of God say? Well, Pastor Bob, have you ever felt like you're not saved? Absolutely, but I don't go back to feelings. I go to the word of God and basically say to my feelings, you can say what you want to, but the word says I am saved and I know I am saved. So the word of God, wisdom and knowledge becomes my strength of salvation. Finally, the last thing said in this verse of scripture, the reverence for God, God is his treasure. The treasure means the most important thing of your life. Reverencing God through his word to where God is pleased with me. And I reverence him because I know he's right. And I know in many cases I'm wrong. If what I feel contradicts God, I'm going to go with God. If my fears come against God, I'm going to go with God and just basically know my fears are temporary. My faith is eternal. So that's what this verse is saying. And I want you to notice something too, wisdom and knowledge. Those two are not the same thing. Knowledge is the correct intake of the word of God and wisdom is the correct application of it toward life. Knowledge is an input. Wisdom is an output. And wisdom is taking the salvation on the inside of you and bringing it to the outside where you live by it each and every day. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And knowledge, again, reinforces me on the inside, but when I apply it to life, my life becomes very stable. Praise and worship can lift up the downcast. That was found in verse five. But the word brings stability, assurance of salvation, reverence toward God, this is verse six. And the word should be our highest treasure after salvation. Faith is applied to Jesus Christ for the salvation of a sinner. But after you put your faith in Christ for salvation, after that, you put your faith in the word of God. And Jesus taught this in chapter eight of the book of John, 
Jesus was preaching and it said, and many believed on him. And he said to those who just believed in them, in him, he said to them, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Stability in life comes from wisdom and knowledge. We live in unstable times. Our nation is unstable. Our government is unstable. Finances in our nation are becoming unstable. Christians are looking for stability, but you know what? The world is looking for stability. I think this ought to be one of the easiest times to witness because not only does the body of Christ stand out for their stability, the world knows something's wrong. Those who have laughed at Christians before are now beginning to look at us and say, maybe they do have the answer. In other words, they're hungry for an answer and we have the answer. And listen, it's not the fact we always speak the word of God, we live it. It's not the fact that we tell them what the word of God has to say, but they see it in our daily life. And one of the greatest ways to show Jesus Christ is a stable Christian life. Again, knowledge is study of the word of God or intake of the word of God, but understanding and wisdom is the revelation that God has given to us and how we apply it to the word of God. You know, my son was saying one day he was preaching a sermon and he asked this question to the congregation, how many points does a sermon have? And everybody yelled three. And he said, yes, why was there three points in a sermon? Everybody yells, well, so we'll remember it. He said, does anybody remember those three point sermons? And everybody laughed and went, no. And he said, that's the difference between, uh, you know, putting a three-point sermon out there, doing something natural as a point to the revelation of the word of God. Listen, you might preach a three-point sermon. You might even have props up on the platform to help people. You might have boxes up there and colored this and, and hanging that and all these different things to help. And you think this is going to help people understand the word of God and remember it. Those things don't work. Yeah, I can tell you this, one revelation in a sermon, they'll never forget. One revelation, all of a sudden where the light comes on, you go, oh my goodness, that's what that verse means. You never forget it. In other words, what's attached to your remembrance is the power of the revelation of the Holy Spirit. James calls it being a hearer of the word of God and a doer also. To hear the word of God is to take it in, to do it is to apply it to the things of life. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 through 27 says this, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I will compare him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. In other words, coming to church and hearing the word of God, that's very important. But then going out and doing it is the most important thing. Wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge coming to church, hearing it. Knowledge studying the word of God and hearing it. Then doing it is the next part. Verse 25 says, and the rain fell and the floods came. Listen, I don't care if you're a brilliant Christian filled with the word of God or you just have accepted Jesus. Welcome to life. Floods come to everybody but it's the person with the word who uses it that survives it. And the rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall because it was built on a rock. And everyone that hears these words of mine and then does not do them shall be compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Stability keeps us upright during the storms of life. A gyro on a large ship keeps it upright and on course. When I was in high school, we had an assembly one day, and in this assembly, they were teaching us about uh, things, you know, scientific things, and this man came up, and what he had was a briefcase in his hand, and he opened up this briefcase, large briefcase, but inside was a, was a bicycle wheel, not really that big, and it had two handle grips in it. And so he started that thing up, put an electric motor on it, one of the students came up, put an electric motor in it, and got that thing spinning so fast, you could hear the wind whistling through the spokes back on the seventh or eighth row where I was sitting. And then he took it and laid it down into that briefcase and closed it. 
it. And inside that briefcase was a spinning wheel. He told that student there, now pick it up. So the student picked it up. He said, swing it back and forth. So the guy started swinging it back and forth. He said, while you're swinging it, turn to the left. And the guy went, he couldn't do it. He said, turn to the right. He tried to go to the right and he couldn't do it because with that gyro inside, that spinning wheel, that thing stayed in a straight line. He said, that's how ships do two things. He said, they stay on a straight line and you can't capsize the ship. When there's a gyro inside, that gyro spinning, the storms can hit it on both sides and that thing may rock just a little bit, but you can't turn it over because the gyro inside. So is the word of God. The word of God keeps us on course, but also the word of God keeps us from being capsized because like a gyro on the inside, it keeps on spinning. We see it throughout the word of God. Joseph in prison, Daniel in the lion's den and in the, and in the furnace. Jesus slept on the ship and Paul sat in peace on a ship while that ship he knew would be destroyed, but no life would be taken. He had that assurance from God. And I'm here to tell you too, what is the assurance we have? We have an assurance from God that God is on our side. We have an assurance from God that makes us stable in life, but also brings us assurance and strength of salvation. I'll see you right after the break. Heaven rejoices each time someone accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And as much as God's concerned with your conversion to Christ, He is also concerned with how you continue your Christian walk. Heaven will be filled with converts, but there will be far fewer disciples. The early church saw great success by continuing in the Word of God. Success in your walk with God is found when you continue in His Word. God wants you to have an abundant entrance into heaven, and that is only possible as you become a disciple of Jesus and study His Word. In this seven-part teaching by Bob Yandian, you'll gain insight into the importance of the Word for success in your daily life as a child of God. Lessons include, why do we go to church? Power and refreshing, overcoming offenses, excuses and reasons, the cost of discipleship, the cost of commitment, and the lifestyle of a disciple. To order Continue in the Word, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Many years ago, I wrote the book called God's Word to Pastors, and now I have updated it. Many new things I have seen from the Word of God applied into this book, and you're gonna be greatly blessed by it. I'm called to be a pastor, I trust you are too, and you will wanna get this book and become greatly impressed by what Paul had to say to pastors in Acts chapter 20, as well as what Jesus Christ has to say to you today. This is my book, God's Word to Pastors. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on partnership. Why do we have preaching and teaching in the Word of God in the church service? Why is that important? And why is it important for a pastor who's there called by God to preach and teach the Word of God? Because he can show you things you can't get on your own. He's anointed, he's called to unfold that Word of God and spends his life in that. He doesn't go to an office somewhere and sit some some corporation somewhere like you might do. He doesn't go to a job where he's sitting there on a you know conveyor belt going by and he's working that position and you know doing all kinds of things on assembly line. No, that's not it. He sits and studies the word of God. He studies to show himself approved unto God and then preaches and teaches the word to you. 
Preach the word, Paul told Timothy, instant in season, out of season. Why is that? Because the verse we started with, Isaiah 33, and says in verse six, wisdom and knowledge coming at you from the pulpit, wisdom and knowledge coming at you from your own personal study of the word of God will be the stability of your times. Number two, the strength of your salvation. Number three, it shows you the reverence and fear for God. And that is his treasure. That should become your treasure. Now, what we took up in the first half of this broadcast was this, first of all, and that is stability in life comes from wisdom and knowledge. We ended talking about a gyro inside of a ship and the word of God, like a gyro on the inside of you, keeps you headed toward your destination and also means when the big storms come and the big waves come, they cannot capsize your ship and you will be kept from not only uh, missing the, the destination you're going to, but you'll also be kept from capsizing one side or the other. But the second things it talks about, it will be your strength of salvation. Wisdom and knowledge will be the strength or the assurance of your salvation. Let's take a look at some scriptures on that. How do we know that we know that we know we're saved? Again, I said it in the first half, I have met Christians who have been born again for 20 years. And now they begin to doubt their salvation. Am I really saved? And what's so sad is oftentimes Christians, the closer they get to death, they begin to wonder, am I really, really saved? I've had people tell me, I ask the Lord daily to save me when they only need to do it one time. The Christian life, you may look back at a time when you accepted Jesus, but the Christian life is this. How do I know I'm saved today? Two ways. Number one, the word says I am. But number two, in my daily life, I'm growing. I'm more close to Jesus now than I ever was. A sinner can't say that. Only a Christian can say that. First John 5, 13, here's what John says to us. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. One of the reasons that John said I'm even writing these things is for Christians to be absolutely assured that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. Not just the fact that I accepted him. And was that really a, a true, honest, heavy decision? You look back at it now and critique it and criticize it. No, quit that. He says, read the word of God. And if you just simply did what the word of God says, you gave your life to Jesus, accept him as your Lord and savior, believe that God raised him from the dead. Do you believe God raised Jesus from the dead? Yeah, well, then you're saved. That's it. You believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh? Yes, well, then you're saved. But how do you know this? You get it from the word of God, that wisdom and knowledge is now the strength of your salvation. Second Peter chapter one and verse nine, whoever lacks these things, lacks these things is lacking the word of God, not understanding the promises of God, not understanding even the basics of the word of God. Whoever lacks these things is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten he was cleansed from his old sins. If you stay in the word of God, you'll know absolutely that you were cleansed from your old sins. You know that you received Jesus, received eternal life. You're now a child of God. And simply saying again, if you lack these things, you're nearsighted and you're even spiritually blind and forgotten you were once cleansed from your old sin. Will you go to heaven? Yes, but you'll be there in ignorance. You'll actually go to heaven in fear. Am I going? Am I going? You'll wake up, you're in heaven. God will say, yes, you got saved. But what you didn't do was get into the word of God for an assurance of your salvation. God's word lifts you above feelings and then confirms your salvation. You cannot be argued out of this assurance of salvation. I'm so sure that I'm sure that I'm sure that I'm sure I'm born again because of my knowledge of the word of God, knowing what God has saved me. You can argue with me all you want to, but you will never convince me I'm not a Christian. I know I am a Christian. The word produces also a reverence for God. It becomes your treasure. The fear of the Lord 
comes from listening and is taught. You don't just sit in a church service and just let it come at you. No, no, you choose to listen and it's taught to you. It's taught to you by a person teaching to you. It's taught to you from the word of God. In both cases, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that brings it from a minister's mouth into your ears and brings revelation or from the printed page into your heart and brings the revelation. Psalm 34 in verse 11, come children and listen to me. I will teach you the fear or the reverence of the Lord. Notice this, the fear of the Lord is taught. Reverence for the Lord is taught. And notice what he said, listen to me. Listening to the word of God, coming to church, listening to what the word of God has to say. Then it says, I will teach you the fear or the reverence of the Lord. This is taught. Proverbs 129, they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. When you hate knowledge, you have no strength to choose the fear of the Lord. The reverence of the Lord keeps you from sin. In other words, think about this way. Jesus came not only to save you from sin, but to save you from sinning. The reverence of the Lord keeps you from sinning. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Christians aren't supposed to hate things. Yes, we hate the works of Satan. We hate the things of the world. We love the things of God and the fear of the Lord will tell you how to discriminate between the things of the world, the things of God, the things of Satan, the things of God, the things of man's thinking and the things of God's thinking, which is the word of God. So that's Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse six, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Again, by the fear of the Lord, you'll depart from evil. It's given to you so that you won't sin. What's the purpose of the word of God? These things write we unto you that you sin not. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Reverence of the Lord brings God's riches to us. Proverbs 22 and verse four. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and long life. We're told in the book of Proverbs that the book that the Bible is much like a beautiful woman. And if you seek after this wisdom that comes from her, in her right hand is length of days and in her left hand is riches and honor. What's this saying? The same thing we're told here in Proverbs 22 and verse four, the same thing told to children, obey your parents in the Lord. It says, for this is right and it will cause your life to be good and you'll live a long time on the earth. So children, if they obey their parents and follow after the word of God, they too can have a long life and they can also have riches and honor. I think this is interesting. In the right hand, which is the prominent hand, we are told in the book of Proverbs, in the right hand is length of days, in the left hand is riches and honor. I'd almost want the other way around. I want the riches first of all. God says, no, 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 have long life first so you'll live a long time to enjoy the riches of the other hand. We're told in the book of Joshua, when Joshua instructed the people to follow after the word, keep their eyes on the word, he said, don't turn from the word to the left hand or to the right. Don't turn toward the riches of this world because oftentimes you follow God, your eyes get caught up with the riches or on this side with following after, you know, the things that make you live a long time on the earth, such as you know, people follow after food and they follow after a lot of other things. They think their diet solves everything. No, it simply says, keep following after the Lord. He's the one that will give you riches and honor and long life. God's word turns converts into disciples. John chapter eight and verse 31. Why do we have church? It's interesting when the man was healed at the gate, beautiful. And Peter came to him and said, we don't have silver and gold. Boy, that discouraged him because that's the first thing this lame man was looking for. I want some money. 
But money wasn't the issue. Money only solved the problem temporarily. But the actual solving of the problem was if this man could get healed, he wouldn't have to beg anymore. He only begged because of what was happening in his feet. So again, Peter said, we don't have silver and gold, but what we do have, we give to you. We're going to solve your problem totally because your problem is not money. Your problem is your is you're paralyzed. And so again, he said, silver and gold, we don't have, but such as we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And it says he went walking and leaping and praising God. So somewhere along there, he accepted Jesus because praising God is not what sinners do. So he went walking and leaping, probably on the third or fourth jump into the air, he received Jesus. And when he landed after that last one, says he followed them into the temple. This is how converts become disciples by going to church. The main place for discipleship is in the local church. Two parts to the Great Commission go into all the world and preach the gospel. And next of all, go into all the world and make disciples out of all nations, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded of you. The new birth is a miracle. It's instantaneous. But listen, discipleship lasts your entire time. I like to look at it this way. Salvation is a miracle, but discipleship literally takes time. And discipleship is a healing. It's a healing of the soul. Spirit, I was made instant instantly a child of God. But next of all, discipleship happens in my soul and it's the healing of my mind, the healing of my thinking, turning the thinking of Bob into the thinking of Christ to turn the mind of Bob into the mind of Christ is the whole aspect of discipleship. So uh, John 8, verse 31 and 32, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You get free when you're born again, but there's another making free in your life where you walk in freedom, and that is the freedom of your thoughts and captivating every thought to the obedience of Christ, and this is what happens when you become a disciple. You get freed in your thinking, and that truth will continue you in freedom. John 17, 17, in the prayer that Jesus made to the Father, he said, sanctify them through your truth, your word is truth. This is discipleship, walking a sanctified life. So what is the minister's responsibility when we assemble together? Second Timothy chapter four, verses one and two. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead and his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Here's God's main responsibility toward a pastor, not to just put things together, not to just think how you can bless the people or they can have a thought for the day. No, preach the word. This is what you preach. Be instant or ready in season and out of season to rebuke, reprove, exhort, with all patience and doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. We preach the word in verse two, but by the end of verse two, we teach the word of God. It comes again by proclaiming the word of God constantly. The word of God will always be proclaimed and always be preached. Make sure it comes from your pulpit. God will see to it the word will always be preached. The word will always be taught. Make sure it's taught from your pulpit not to just go with the trends of the day or taking somebody else's sermon or giving a thought for the day or just some way to, you know, somehow promote the word of God, much like, you know, having a, uh, you know, much like, again, Madison Avenue type stuff, just to where you come out there and you have a show instead of preaching and teaching the word of God, make it to where the word of God stands the most important and the people will walk out saying, I learned something today. The word will make you stable, assured of your salvation and give you a reverence for God. Thanks for joining us today. I trust you know that you are committed to a church. If you're not, get committed to a church. Find yourself a pay. You say, well, there's no good churches in my town. Find the best one. 
I mean, look online and listen to what they have to preach and go visit the church and find the best one. Because you know what? This is given for your for your edification and building up. And you'll hear sermons and walk out going, wow, I actually learned something today. And what you learn will help you in life to stabilize you. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.